Welcome to the More Attention, Less Deficit podcast. This episode is Fundamental Strategies to Overcome Impulsivity and Hyperactivity. I found that all the strategies that are helpful for hyperactivity and impulsivity are really just variations on four basic themes. So it's really helpful to understand them. The book, More Attention, Less Deficit, Success Strategies for Adults with ADHD, is available at addwarehouse.com and pretty much everywhere else, including on the Kindle. But if you enter coupon code 19380, my zip code, at you'll save an extra 25%. I'm psychologist Dr. Ari Tuckman, author of More Attention, Less Deficit, and Integrative Treatment for Adult ADHD, a practical, easy-to-use guide for clinicians. For more information about either book, archives of this podcast, links to past presentations, handouts, and information about upcoming teleclasses and presentations, check out adultadhdbook.com. This podcast is a continuation of last week's episode, where I talked about the two fundamental strategies that can be used to overcome inattention. This week, we're going to talk about the two fundamental strategies for impulsivity and the two for hyperactivity. So just to recap, When I was writing my first book, I included lists and lists of strategies that clinicians could suggest to clients to help them stay on top of demands better. What I came to realize was that all those ADHD-friendly strategies all basically boil down to six simple strategies, or fundamental strategies as I call them. All those other strategies are just variations on these six simple themes. This is actually pretty cool because it's a lot easier to remember six things than, you know, a million things. Also, if you understand these fundamental strategies, it's a lot easier to create the strategies that will work best in your specific situation. So it saves you a bunch of trial and error, as well as that glazed feeling that you can get when looking through a list of the top 3,000 strategies to help adults with ADHD be more organized at work or whatever it might be. These fundamental strategies are a simplification of the complexity of daily life and, you know, therefore won't always work, but I think that they can be helpful most of the time. If you have these fundamental strategies in the back of your head, you'll be in a better position to create effective ways of dealing with whatever life throws at you. Let's start with the fundamental strategies for impulsivity. I tend to define impulsivity as actions that precede conscious thought or more simplistically, leaping before looking. It's easy to say, don't act impulsively, but that just doesn't work, you know, as you undoubtedly know. The problem is that you'll have, you will have already leapt before realizing that you didn't look. So apart from inventing a time machine, you'll do better if you set yourself up for success before you find yourself in certain situations. There's less to think about that way, and less willpower is needed. The two fundamental strategies for impulsivity are, number one, create barriers to problematic actions by reducing tempting stimuli, and number two, set up cushions to reduce the potential damage. Let's talk about each one. So first one, create barriers to problematic actions by reducing tempting stimuli. This is the lead me not unto temptation approach. For example, if someone knows that she's far too likely to spend too much money in certain stores, she shouldn't even go into those stores in the first place because any good intentions will be quickly lost. 
It's much easier to not be tempted if there's no temptation. This tends to work out a lot better than just relying on willpower or your ability to resist distraction. Some specific examples here would include avoiding websites where you tend to spend too much time, um, asking a romantic partner or a friend to give you a poke when you start to say something that's either coming out wrong or you know might be too much information, closing down your email alert so that you don't get pulled in when a new email arrives, or turning off your cell phone when you need to get some other work done. So then the fundamental strategy, or the second fundamental strategy here, is set up cushions to reduce the potential damage. Sometimes you just can't remove temptations completely. However, you may still be able to find ways to minimize the potential costs in case you do act impulsively. So for example, if you have to go into one of those stores where you tend to spend too much money, you could bring a specific amount of cash and leave the credit cards at home. This way, there's no way to spend more money than you've planned and more money than you've got in your pocket, even if you get really excited about something. Now, although there's some potential benefit from working on self-control and reminding yourself in the moment about the consequences of an impulsive act, you'll probably have greater success with setting yourself up correctly beforehand, since by definition, impulsivity means acting before thinking. So there's no time in there to really think. After all, if it was as easy as think about stuff first, then you wouldn't have ADHD and there wouldn't be anything to work on. So it's better to make your impulsive, to take your impulsive tendencies into account and set things up ahead of time when you're thinking about how you want things to work out rather than in the heat of the moment when it's too easy to get caught up. Some, ex some specific examples here would include, um, for example, hang around people who roll with interruptions and comments that come out wrong. Then tell those people that, you know, you sometimes say things that are easy to misinterpret, but to give you the benefit of the doubt, or at least ask what you really meant, rather than just jumping to conclusions and getting offended by it. Not that it's their job to always cut you some slack, but it is their job to avoid getting unnecessarily upset. In other words, this is good for their own happiness. Another example here would be set a timer when you start on something that you know you tend to get carried away with, like when you're surfing around on the internet. So there are the two fundamental strategies for impulsivity. Now let's talk about hyperactivity. Of course, you may not have ever been hyperactive even as a kid, or if you were, you're probably a lot less hyperactive now as an adult. That, you know, what research has found and a lot of personal experience has found is that much of the overt activity will settle down, but it's often replaced with a more internal sense of restlessness. So in other words, these adults with ADHD can make themselves sit still if they have to, but it takes some mental effort to do so. And, you know, given a choice, they'd rather not, obviously. So the two fundamental strategies here are, number one, seek out situations that allow for the safe expression of hyperactivity, and number two, minimize or avoid situations that require more restraint than you can muster. Let's talk about each one. Number one, seek out situations that allow for the safe expression of hyperactivity. If you have a hard time sitting still, then don't expect yourself to. 
If you need to move to satisfy that internal restlessness, then look for times and places where you can. Many ADHD adults will wisely select the situations that they put themselves into. For example, they'll watch movies at home where they can move around easily rather than feeling trapped at the theater. Others may need to counterbalance the mental efforts and demands for restraint at work with more active pursuits at night and on the weekends. Some other specific examples here would include exercising regularly to burn off that that restlessness, as well as all the other obvious benefits of exercise, Um, taking a walk at lunch, or even working out at lunch if you can get away with that. When you have to, you know, move from one floor to the next, take the stairs rather than the elevator or take the long way around if you have to walk around the office. And then finally, just be open and tell people that you move, need to move around or fidget because you do your best thinking that way. Don't be apologetic about it. Don't be self-conscious about it either. Just state it as a fact. If you're cool about it, other people will be more likely to just accept it without making too much out of it. Besides, if you're coming up with good ideas, who cares how you did it? The second fundamental strategy here is minimize or avoid situations that require more restraint than you can muster. There's little to be gained from putting yourself into a situation that will force you to do something you're bad at. For example, someone who hates sitting still shouldn't take a desk job that doesn't allow frequent breaks. You may find that you have a greater tolerance for repetitive or boring activities if you allow yourself some breaks and remind yourself of the benefits of doing the task or build in a reward at the end. You know, a reward can definitely pull you through some boring stuff. It may still take some real mental effort, and you may never be great at just kind of putting your head down and slogging through, but it's still worth working on. Now, some other examples here would be watching movies at home rather than at the movie theater so that, you know, you can get up, move around, do what you want to do. Alternatively, be okay with not enjoying sitting around, even if other people seem to like it. Just because they enjoy it doesn't mean that you have to. Of course, you know, sometimes we have to do things we don't enjoy, especially if we're trying to keep some peace and balance in our relationships. But when you don't have to be sitting still, don't sit still. And finally, find active friends who enjoy running around with you. In other words, don't fight the tide, just go with it. So there you have the six fundamental strategies. I hope that they work for you and that they make those lists and lists of strategies feel a little bit less overwhelming. You might have noticed that I tend to work it from both sides of the coin. On one side, change how you do something so that you can be more effective. Or at least try to find some workarounds so that you can still get the job done. But just as important, the other side of the coin is to accept the fact that you won't be able to change some other things. So stop making yourself miserable, not living up to some unrealistic expectations. There comes a point for everyone, whether they have ADHD or not, where they need to accept their personal limitations. It doesn't mean that you have to be happy about it, but you will be happier if you stop fighting against the impossible. This is why my guiding philosophy is change what you can, accept the rest. So think about it. 
I'd like to announce that I made a small change to my website, adultadhdbook.com. I created a new page that has a free PDF of the first chapter of More Attention, Less Deficit, which talks about the executive functions in ADHD. Basically, the executive functions are our highest level brain processes that allow us to make good choices in a complex world. The better you understand the executive functions, the better you'll understand why you can be so good at some things, yet be so inconsistent with others. So check it out. I had the PDF buried a bit, so it was already up on the website, but it was harder to find. So my hope is that by having its own page, people will find it more easily. So if you're interested, check it out at adultadhdbook.com. Our next episode will be something on ADHD and relationships. Now, somehow in 56 episodes, I don't know how this happened, but somehow I've managed to never have done anything on this topic. It's kind of dumbfounding, frankly. But in any event, not sure how I missed it, but I'm going to fix that next week and, you know, hopefully do something good. So until next time, thanks for lending me your attention.